Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. Today is Thursday, October 1st, 2020. This is Shannon, and tonight I'm here with Sarah and Kira, and we are going to talk about complex and unique magical systems, because it's October, and it's a great time of year for witches and magic and scary books. So definitely... Stay tuned to us this month for all sorts of magical, excellent reading recommendations. So the housekeeping information is as follows. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. You can always post just on the Book Bistro timeline. Some of you have done that. I'm always so happy to see when you've published posts there. You can join our Facebook listener group where you can chat with us as well as with other podcast listeners. You can keep an eye on some of what we're reading. We usually update you each Wednesday with a look at our current reads. If you'd like to get a hold of us and social media is not really your thing, you can email us. That address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. And I'm going to start us off, followed by Kira, and then by Sarah. So I have been waiting and waiting and waiting, like pretty much for most of 2020, (laughs) for an episode that I could talk about this series in. So this is one of my new favorite authors, my new favorite magical world, um, it's kind of up there with like Yasmin Gallinorn, which is really strange because nothing even comes close to Yasmin Gallinorn on most days. So this is the collection of Megan Sienna Deutsch books known as the Adept Universe. And it starts with Cupcakes, Trinkets, and Other Deadly Magics, the Dowser series, book one. So we are introduced to Jade Godfrey, and Jade is a baker, and she also makes these trinkets out of, like, chain and wedding rings and just different things she combines together, and she finds them very decorative, and she doesn't necessarily realize that these are magical items. Jade comes from a long line of witches. And it's always been thought that her powers just like didn't manifest for some reason. And so she's just sort of a very basic level witch with like a little bit of power. But actually Jade is a dowser. And one of the things that I love most about the the world that Doidge has created is that you have some of the like normal things that you would expect in an urban fantasy. Like you have you know, the werewolves and the other shapeshifters and the vampires and the witches. But the magical abilities that each of these beings have is very, very different in some key ways from what we normally see. And then you look at 
people who have powers that we don't necessarily hear about in other urban fantasy. So there is like a dowser who can assess and dampen magic that other people have. And there are oracles and there are amplifiers and reconstructionists. And it's just this really complex world made up of people that have powers that have some similarities to things that we expect that are mostly new and fresh and very different. So as we get to know Jade, we also get to see kind of the evolution of her power because one day Jade sees a vampire looking in the window of, of her bakery and the vampire is able to step into the bakery, which is very unusual because of all the wards that her grandmother has put up. And it soon becomes apparent that the vampire has kind of a mission for Jade that we learn about as the book goes on. So this series moves kind of in and out of all the other series that Doidge has created. So like you read the first three Dowser books, then you move into Oracle, book one. Then you read the fifth and the sixth Dowser books. No, I'm sorry, the fourth and the fifth Dowser books before you go to Oracle book two. And the series just keeps kind of weaving around, incorporating new people and new worlds new magic. Um, I recently got to know some dragons in this world. And I am just so in love with pretty much everything that she creates. So this is the Adept Universe by Megan Sienna Doidge. And your best starting place is going to be Cupcakes, Trinkets, and Other Deadly Magics, The Dowser, book one. And I I, I did say that I would... uh, that I would pay homage to Mika for this because I'd heard of this author off and on for the past several years, but I didn't really know what she wrote. And Mika started reading this series and talked about it on our staff thread. And I was just so enchanted. And so I'm so glad that she recommended these. I I have to read them. That sounds so good. All right, so the first book I'm going to be talking about in my Magical Systems review of many books is um, the a book by Kelly Armstrong, and I love Kelly Armstrong. She is such a diverse writer with such a great portfolio. And um, the first book I'm going to talk about is in her Darkest Powers series, which is a, a young adult series. And the first book is called The Summoning. So enter basically high school your worst nightmare kind of thing and you're trying to navigate the world and figure out what you're going to do with the rest of your life and all of a sudden you start seeing dead people this is <laughs> chloe sander's story and this is how she got sent to the lyle house and um how she came into contact with tori simon Derek, and many others who are also teens in this group home and it's a group home for what you're assuming are all kids who are having psychological issues and sort of um needing intensive group therapy in the most traditional Freudian sense in the way you think about it when you watch it on tv and so Chloe is resound. She's like thinking the rest of her life she's going to spend seeing dead people. But really, this is a brilliant way of bringing together people with different supernatural powers. So each team 
begins to realize or realizes uh, that they have supernatural abilities. And Chloe is a necromancer, so she can see the dead and talk to the dead. And apparently she's always been this way. Um, you learn later on in the story that she used to talk to um, uh, some, uh, some people in her basement, <laughs> like some ghosts in her basement when she was younger, and they would always wonder, like, who is this girl talking to? But it was all because she's seeing the dead. So she's coming to grips with basically uh, her complete life being turned upside down. And um, in the same way, the very people who she was sent to get better from in the Lionel group, Lyle group, um, are basically, um, they're no good. And so Chloe has to use all the different stuff that she's learning about necromancy and how she can talk to the dead and summon the dead um, and use it to her advantage to overcome this new threat. Um, Kelly Armstrong is such an amazing writer. She pulls you in from, from page one, word one. And this book is, um, as far as magic systems go, I like it because it brings a little bit of everything. You have your, your werewolf, you have your necromancer, you have your warlock, um, you have your poltergeist. Um, but it's such an interesting kind of take on that in a new dynamic that I thought it would be interesting to include in the magical um, systems kind of um, review because it is a different kind of magic system. It's not a traditional high fantasy um, magic system, which we'll get to later in my review of The Witcher. Um, but yeah, so this book is by Kelly Armstrong. It's a trilogy. It's the Darkest Powers trilogy. And this is book one, The Summoning. I love Kelly Armstrong. Me too. <laughs> yeah, she is so, so great. I discovered her by accident when I read. Me too. <laughs> um, what's the first? Is it Bitten? Yes, Bitten. The, Bitten. Yes. And I didn't know anything about her. And I didn't realize, like, how creative she was. And just, oh, my God. She can just write. Anything. Oh, she's just, yeah, she's amazing. So my first book of the night or my first series is by an author that I talk about on this podcast, I think pretty frequently if we're talking about magic or urban fantasy. And um, the author is Sean is Shauna McGuire. And I just love Shauna McGuire. And a lot of times on these episodes, I talk about her October day series, which is wonderful and very magical, but um, for the purpose of magical systems and a pretty complex, like magical world with some pretty, um, strict rules, I decided to talk about her encrypted series, which is fantastic. And I think actually on a couple of our different like upcoming books that we were excited about episodes, I've talked about a couple of her encrypted books. But um, the first book in this series is called Discount Armageddon. And it is about the Price family. <laughs> so the first book of the encrypted series focuses on the oldest sister and her name is Verity Price. And the Price family are a family that's really in hiding. And you don't in the beginning necessarily know like why or what, because um, Verity is actually not with her family in the beginning. She's in a different city. And as the book goes on, you learn more and more about this magic system. So the Price family 
um, is a family of, I hope I say this word right, cryptozoologists. And their job is to understand and study and protect creatures, magical creatures that in this world are called cryptids. So there might be dragons, there might be, um, I think there are some ghouls, there are some different creatures that I've never heard of outside of this world. And my most absolute favorite creature in this book <laughs> or in any, I think, magical books are the magical mice um, that live with the Price family. And these mice, their whole job is to remember and record everything that the Price family does and they um, worship them. They're like their priests and their priestesses. And they talk and they, they will say things like, hail! And they have like all of these like rituals that they do. So you really try not to like engage the mice because they'll have a whole like in which the priestess ate cake in the kitchen or some other <laughs> thing. And they have like these long rituals. But what the problem is, why the Price family is in hiding is because there is a an organization out to rid the world of all cryptids and the Price family. And they are called the Covenant of St. George. And they have been trained their whole lives to think of magic and magic users as being bad and corrupt and like ruining the world. And their job in their mind and in their training and in all of their like credo and their documentation is to keep the non-magic members of the world safe. And what you find out in this book is that there are members of the Price family who used to be in the Covenant of St. George. And now they are in hiding. And so it's a very interesting world with a very interesting system because it's set in like our world, which not a lot of, not, not every magic book is. And it's very like relevant to our society, except for there are some people who are protecting many creatures that are magic. And then there are people who are trying to get rid of the creatures who are magic and the people that are protecting them. And so it's just a very, and, and there are like three books about each sibling or two or three, two, I think about the brother, three, I think three for Verity, two for her brother, and then three for her sister. And a new one just came out about their cousin and they build and build and build. And in and, and every one, they are trying to stay away from the covenant of St. George, stay below the radar until, until they don't. But they have very specific rules that they must live by in order to keep the, cryptid, the cryptids safe. And I just love how she builds this world and kind of builds this system. It's very creative and very unique. And if you want um, some pretty great, urban fantasy with really creative takes on magic and the best mice in the world. And I hate mice. You really should try reading um, Discount Armageddon by Sean and McGuire. It's a great series. I love it. I, I love it too. It sounds starting awesome. Starting So Sarah mentioned books that are not set in our world. And my next pick is Just Such a World. I'm going to, or Just Such a Book, I should say. I'm going to talk about Daughter of the Burning City by Amanda Foodie. 
And this is a young adult fantasy debut that came out in 2017. It is about a young girl named Serena. And all of her life, Serena has lived in this kind of traveling magical carnival. And the carnival moves around like the world, basically. It sets itself up in different places and performs all kinds of like sort of traditional carnival activities, but then also there are these magical things that occur. So Serena is one of the only illusion workers ever to have been born. And so what this means is that she can create these really complicated illusions that people can see and hear and interact with just as though they were real people. And through these illusions that she creates, she is responsible for the carnival's freak show. And so that's just kind of her, her job and her talent. Now, interestingly, Serena cannot see um, in the traditional sense. So you do get a little bit of like disability representation here, but in a way that sort of allows magic and her illusions to sort of um, make up for the fact that she can't see. So you're not necessarily going to find like great blindness representative here or representation here, but I do really like that the, hero the heroine has a disability that, you know, she uses magic to kind of assist with, but at the end of the day, she is still a disabled character. So Serena creates these illusions and in all, like for all intents and purpose, she is really attached to the people that she creates and she views them as her family, her friends. But one day someone murders one of the illusions and she didn't think that that was possible because these aren't real people. So like, how can they die? And so what she comes to understand is that they can actually be killed. And so she has to kind of dig into the history of her world's magic and try to understand, first of all, like how can illusions be killed? And second of all, who is responsible? She teams up with this kind of dark and brooding young man named Luca, who has magical abilities of his own. And together, they try to figure out who is responsible for the destruction of Serena's illusions, which is quite a loss for her since they are viewed as her family. So this is just a really great world. There's like so much depth here, so much just rich development. Um, Unfortunately, it's a standalone novel. I would have liked to see more written here because there's just so much about the world that I feel like I don't know. So I keep hoping that she will return and like write some more about some of these people. Um, this is, like I said, a debut novel that came out a few years ago. It is utterly fantastic. If you're looking for an original young adult fantasy, um, I highly recommend it. It's Daughter of the Burning City and it's by Amanda Foodie. That sounds really cool. And she also has um, a trilogy, which is Ace of Shades, King of, King of something, and Queen of Volts. Ooh. Yes. So the second book I'm going to talk about today is The Clockwork Angel. And it's the first in the Infernal Devices series. I have so much to say about this book. I absolutely 
love this trilogy. So it's by Cassandra Clare, and it's about a young woman named Tessa Gray, um, who arrives in Queen Victoria's London, and uh, she is summoned there by her brother, Nate, who informs her of her aunt's passing. And um, there's so much about this book that I love because I do love like London and England and the whole kind of steampunky um, era that it takes place in. And uh, she is approached by two women and these two women kidnap her, <laughs> basically, essentially. And um, they're from this, I guess you could say, maybe cult organization called the Dark Sisters. And as she's being captured and held, um, enter to Shadowhunters. And so Shadowhunters are the crux of Cassandra Clare's world. So she writes about these half-angel, half-human hybrids who write runes on themselves or basically draw tattoos on themselves to gain powers. And it's a really unique idea, and I think it is something that is very um, artistic. And I like the artistic um, kind of vibe. So anyway, the task of the Shadowhunters is to wipe out demon kind and all underworld activities. So they're kind of like the police, kind of like the special forces, kind of like the detectives, kind of like that whole um, that whole genre, I guess you could say. And so they meet Tessa, and they're kind of perplexed by her because Tessa has a rare ability to shapeshift. And so such abilities typically only come from someone who has demon blood in them. And demon blood is anything demon kind, as I said, is something that Shadowhunters are um, trained to basically wipe out. So, um, you know... <laughs> it's kind of like this conflict where she's not fully a demon so they're like we'll keep you around you seem like you're okay um but also there's that underlying kind of mystery around her so basically she has very rare ability that can shapeshift and um the the story continues and she goes undercover uh in a secret club in um in the world. So she has to go undercover. So she assumes the identity of a vampress um, in a um, underground club in London with Will and Jem to investigate um, some strange goings on that's been happening. And uh, she's found out and the plot basically takes off from there. And um, another thing I really like about this series is that it kind of involves mechanics and um uh automation as well so i think it's a very interesting like bridge between magic and sort of automation and mechanics that is very new and interesting and not really well well it's not overdone i guess i should say and that's part of the wonderful thing about this series <clears throat> this is very unique and um and special in that way and i like that um cassandra claire continues to change and show different parts of shadow hunters past and um in her other book series so this is um a book by cassandra claire of course 
It is the Infernal Devices series. The first book is Clockwork Angel. I love me some steampunk. I'm going to have to try to read that. This was my very first uh, foray into steampunk, like back in 2013. Yeah. And um, it's just, it's phenomenal. And her new series (laughs) takes us to Edwardian London, and we follow, like, the children of Tessa and Will. But I really do have a question. It's so important. Okay. So my question is, if your mother's made you read Emily Post and learn about, you know, good behavior and deportment, did you ever read the section entitled, Nice Girls Don't Have Fangs? No. No, because it's not by Emily Post. It's by Holly (laughs) Harper. (laughs) Oh, I did not. My my mother, you know, she she did not know these things. (laughs) You know, nice girls don't do certain things in the world of Emily Post. And in the world of Molly Harper, if you are a Southern lady in Kentucky, nice girls don't have fangs. Except for in, so that's the next book I'm going to talk about. And it's Jane Jameson, book one. So I'm going to talk about the world of Jane Jameson. And if you want to read some magical books about like vampires, werewolves, witches, just a whole bunch of different fantastic um, groups of magical creatures. And you want to like belly laugh while you read them. Cause I feel like a lot of magical books are either like super cozy or like super dark. And there's not really like in my opinion, and I could be wrong, but I haven't found many that just like make me belly laugh like the whole time. And Molly Harper makes me laugh. So she has created a pretty interesting magical system that I thought would um, be a good uh, mention on this um, podcast this time. So we're going to talk about Jane Jameson. And Jane Jameson is a children's librarian in a little town in Kentucky. And she's not having a very good day. She just got fired from her job. And then she um, goes to drink at this bar because she like, what else is she going to do? Like she didn't even get like a boat, like a all the money she was supposed to get when she's let go. They basically give her like $15 or something. It's I mean, just like some real small amount and sorry we're cutting people at the library but she knows that the like old biddy that is her boss is going to hire like her stupid niece that's not going to do a good job and Jane's really brought much growth to the library so she goes to this bar and she's drinking away her sorrows and she meets a man named Gabriel and she like thinks he's really cute and they kind of like joke around and then she decides to walk home Because she really shouldn't be driving after what she drank. And then suddenly this man comes out of nowhere in a truck. And he hits her because he thinks she's a deer. Or he, she like falls into the ditch and he shoots her because he thinks she's a deer. And she dies. But as she's dying, the hot man from the bar comes and says, do you want to live? And she says, yes. And he turns her into a vampire. So this is the magical systems part of the book. So in the world of Molly Harper, vampires are out in society because there was an accountant vampire several years before who wanted to work in the evening and 
wasn't permitted to. So he took his case to the Supreme Court and basically outed all these vampires who'd been, you know, kept secret for thousands of years saying like, you're discriminating against me because I can't work during the day. So then vampires were outed. And so now there are all these companies that make products for vampires like SPF 500. If you have to go out during the day, cover up and wear SPF 500. Um, they make synthetic blood. My favorite kind is faux type O. I love that. It's just so funny to me. And like they have like at Walmart, a whole like vampire aisle. And it sounds kind of like frothy when I'm describing it, but it really works in her world. So as Jane is learning how to become a vampire, which she does know that there are vampires, but doesn't really know any, um, she's learning about who governs and makes sure that the vampires like don't hurt humans and don't do anything to really draw attention to themselves. They're supposed to look like your nice neighborhood neighbors and they are called the council for the undead. And Jane ends up like getting in a lot of shenanigans with the council for the undead. And of course she and Gabriel may get together, but I won't give it away, even though it's kind of obvious but what I love is the way she builds the vampires into like our normal world. So like Jane is like a very normal person and she like acts in a very normal way. And when she becomes a vampire, it like freaks her out and it's just like, it's just no good for her. She just really has to get, you know, get accustomed to it. And then they actually have like therapy groups for family members of the undead. And these family members like go and they have like grief counseling and they learn how to live with their family member um, who is now undead. And I just really, really adore the magical system set up in this book. It's just, in my opinion, very clever. So if you want to belly laugh and enjoy um, a good romance with really hilarious Southern characters and just Molly Harper's brand of snark, pick up. Nice Girls Don't Have Fangs, Jane Jameson, book one by Molly Harper. That sounds really cool. I actually might start that tonight. That sounds really good. <laughs> it's, you know what? It's super fun, and it's, 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 it's light enough, like, it's not, they're not creepy books. There's usually, like, a little aspect of, like, a mystery in each book. Yeah. All right, so I shall return us to the realm of young adult fantasy as I discuss a book that came out actually one month ago today. So this is Cemetery Boys by Aidan Thomas. This is a Latinx um, transgender representation very heavy um representation here and i love it so incredibly much so our main character is a trans boy named yadriel and he really wants to be accepted as a brujo so what he calls the brujex are the basically the spanish kind of version of witches and they interact with the dead um, men traditionally help spirits cross over to the other side and women are healers. Yadriel, although he was born a girl, 
is not a healer and he knows that his magic lies more in the realm of being able to help spirits cross. But the tradition of the Bruhex is very, very old and kind of set in its ways. And people are unwilling to sort of accept the fact that even though he was born in a girl's body, he is not a girl. So he is determined that he is going to teach them the truth of this. And so he and his best friend, Maritza, who is also his cousin, uh, sneak into this church and they are going to do a ceremony to kind of link his power with Lady Death. And hopefully then he will be seen as an actual brujo. So he does this and this works very well for him for a brief period. And then he summons a spirit. And the spirit that he summons is a spirit that refuses to be sent back to the other side. And now Yadriel is trying to send him back, but also learn the truth about what happened to his cousin Miguel, who died that same night under very mysterious circumstances. So this is a little bit of a mystery a little bit of a coming-of-age story, um, a really deep dive into the Latinx tradition um, that surrounds the whole concept of being a bruja or brujo. Um, I love this so, so much. It is just one of those books that gets everything right. And even though Yadriel is a character that I cannot like personally relate to, you know, I, you know, I don't have a lot of, a lot of things in common with him just on the surface, but I really, really identified with his story and really wanted him to achieve all of the things that he was trying so hard to achieve. And I just wanted his family to be more accepting of him and just to really kind of look past the old austere traditions and understand that, you know, perhaps it's okay for things to change in, in certain ways and that you don't always have to stay so mired in your like deep, dark past. So this is Cemetery Boys by Aidan Thomas. Um, it's not magic in like a, a flashy or showy way. It's more magic as part of a culture. And I really loved it for that. You know, I, I didn't necessarily want to see like charmed with transgender characters you know we were not like banishing demons every two seconds um but it was just very very sensitive and just such a fun enjoyable october read so again it's cemetery boys by aiden thomas and i love it uh the next book i'm going to talk about in the magic systems uh series of books is uh a book called Ashron by Sherilyn Kenyon. It is Dark Hunter book 14. It takes place in old ancient Greek and honestly pre-Greek times um, and it revolves around the character of Asheron and his coming of age story. Um, it follows him from the beginning of his birth where he is cursed and um, shamed and shunned and sent to live with his uncle where he undergoes all sorts of um, gross and 
neglect and, and torture. And um, eventually he is saved by his sister Rissa. And Rissa takes Akron under her wing and kind of um, tries to save him from her family. Uh, the magic system part of the book of the series doesn't really come in play till part two when Akron dies. Um, and he, instead of dying in the traditional sense and there being nothing afterward, he finds himself waking up and waking up in the underworld to, <laughs> to the realization that he is actually a god of the Atlantean um, pantheon and that his mother, the destroyer, and his estranged father um, have basically uh, made him and his uh, sisters, his half-sisters, who are the final fates. So he is like the fourth fate, technically, because his sisters are like the three fates, so he's like the fourth one. Uh, so um, he comes to um, study his power and all the things that go with it. And where the Dark Hunters um, come into play is um, Asheron is kind of like the leader of the Dark Hunters, and he helps many of them who are also troubled with their problems, um, whether they be supernatural, paranormal, or just, you know, the problems of life, everyday problems. Um, so I think the magic system in this book is really interesting because it's based in history. And I think that um, magic systems that have like a little bit of realism are really interesting. So I definitely highly recommend this book. A great thing about um, Asheron is that it is, even though it's the 14th book in the Dark Hunter series, it can be read as a standalone. Um, so that is another great thing. You don't have to read like all 14. You can literally jump into this book and enjoy it and understand everything. Um, because Sherilyn Kenyon focuses solely on the character. It's not um, building up a very long convoluted plot. It's just a character-driven story. So highly recommend Ash um, Asheron, book 14 of the Dark Hunter series by Sherilyn Kenyon. Beautiful. <laughs> um, I read that book, and I could only read that book, like, through from it it's in its entirety once the the abuse and the torture yeah i know and so if i if i when i would go back and read it again i would read part three in modern times when yeah, he I was <laughs> it was but um it's it is a you know it's a very interesting like world building it explains yes. like how that's the dark hunters came to, get, to be yeah that's what i tried to get at I feel like you can't have an episode of a podcast talking about magic and not discuss Ilona Andrews. The it's most true. Fabulous husband and wife writing team in the history of fabulousness. And I am going to talk about a very specific series, but I just wanted to say that Ilona Andrews, I think they're amazing because they write several series of books and all of them have a different world. So like they create all this whole world and magical systems and everything. And every series is completely different. So in my opinion, that takes a lot of like creativity and um, awesomeness to be able to do that. But the series that I'm going to talk about today is the innkeeper Chronicles. 
And I feel like, you know, a lot of times with um, Ilona Andrews, we talk about the Kate Daniels series, which um, is amazing. But I wanted to talk about the Innkeeper Chronicles because I thought it's very, very clever. So in the world, and it is our world, so um, this book, this series takes place in Texas. However, um, there are magical creatures all over the world, but also in many galaxies far, far away. And they need to have safe places where they can go that will accommodate their needs because they have very, very diverse needs. I mean, their food preferences, their rooms, what they need to be able to be comfortable. They're very different. And so they have these people on earth that are called innkeepers. And the innkeepers have magical inns where the magic users of the world can stay and the innkeepers themselves are quite magical as well they um actually for their magic they use a broom a lot just like a regular what looks like a regular broom and the um main character in the innkeeper chronicles is named dina and dina has a small inn in a town in texas and the inn is called gertrude hunt and the cool thing about the inns in this world is that they are like sentient. They, the inns like work with the innkeepers. And so you, use, you go in, maybe you have a vampire and you need a certain type of room or you have another type of magic user. Ilona Andrews crafts so many magic users that we have never heard of in other books. So I can't give you too many examples, but between Dina and the inn, she can craft a room. She can have food prepared. Like she doesn't, you know, necessarily eat or keep on hand, but the inn will bring it to her. Um, her whole property is a safe place for magic creatures. So if people try to come on her property that would be sent there to do ill, um, the inn will actually work with Dina and the ground. Will swallow them. It's just lovely. And so these books are about different experiences that Dina has at the inn um, serving her guests, including her love interest. And I won't get into it. I will tell you this though. So somewhere there is a review that the Innkeeper Chronicles has a love triangle. And Love triangles really, it? it does not. Love triangles really irritate me and I do not read about them if I can avoid it. So there are two men that are at the inn, but you know basically from the beginning which man is the one that Dina is going to be attracted to. So I just want to say for those of you who are, you know, who read reviews and maybe put off by a book that could have a love triangle in it. It really doesn't. It's not like, Oh, I love him, but wait, I love him. Oh no. It's not like that at all. You basically know who she's going to love from the beginning. Um, but what I love about these books is that every, there are three books in her part of the innkeeper chronicles. There are, um, there's another book about her sister and um, like a couple short novellas, and I think they're going to do a couple more. But um, what I love is every book 
she's serving different guests with this in and people but they don't know that there are magic users so that's why the innkeepers are so crucial because they they keep the integrity of the magic users and they keep their secrets safe and so they can come to the inn and have complete comfort and safety so from the outside gertrude hunt looks like just like a bed and breakfast and very small and a lot of people in this small town see Dina like outside, like sweeping her porch with her broom, but her broom is really um, her symbol of power and it does a lot of really cool things. And I just, I really, I can't say enough about the Innkeeper Chronicles and the way they weave this world, but also about her other, their other series um, of books. And like I said, the magic systems, the world, the how it operates, Everyone is different and unique. So you could read in Keeper Chronicles, which is what we're talking about, the Edge series, Hidden Legacy series, the Kate Daniels series. I might be missing one. And all of them would have very diverse magical systems with a complex world to um, really just tie everything together. Um, so if you like books about really um, interesting and diverse characters with a lot of like rich description of making rooms beautiful and the furnishings and everything and a, a mystery thrown in and just a lot of amazingness. I highly recommend that you read the innkeeper Chronicles by Alona Andrews. I really don't think you would ever be disappointed. It starts with que clean sweep. Clean and I sweep. I love it so much. Clean sweep. Yeah, all of the books um, have the word sweep in it. So like clean sweep, sweep in peace. Um, one, one fell, fell sweep. sweep. They're just great. And it sounds, I mean, don't think that it's like somebody like flying on a broom or like no. waving a broom. It's not like, did you read them all, Shannon? No, I've only read the Dina ones. I haven't read the, the sister the one. one about her sister. Oh, it's, yeah. I was afraid I wouldn't like it because I really like Dina and I really like Gertrude Hunt. Dina. But her, the book about her sister has um, a character that is very prominent in the books about Dina. And it's just a really, really, it's a, it's a phenomenal book. So, yeah, It's such them. a neat intersection between um, like magic and sci-fi. Yes, yes. What would you even call that? Sagic? <laughs> or my-fi? Oh, no. <laughs> it's just, I don't know. I, I love it, whatever you call it. All right, so my last pick tonight will take us to 2059 oh. London, a very different London than we would know. Of course, it hasn't been 2059 yet, so I guess <laughs> I can't really say what London <laughs> would be like, but I'm pretty sure that it won't be like this. So this is The Bone Season, The Bone Season Book One by Samantha Shannon. And this came out in 2013. It is the first of three books that are out currently. And there will be a total of seven of them, which makes me very, very happy. So the bone season, as I said, takes place in kind of an alternate London in 2059. And 200 years ago, the city of Oxford disappeared. Like it just went away. Maybe it burned in a fire. I don't know, maybe like the great, 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 great grandfather of the atomic bomb was dropped on it. I don't know. It just went away. Gone. And now people don't really even know 
like that it ever existed. So our heroine is a young woman named Paige, and she is an Irish immigrant living in London with her father, and she works for this man named Jackson, who is not fantastic. And she is what's known as a dreamwalker. So she can break into people's minds, basically, and extract bits of information from their dreams. And so she does this and reports back to Jackson what she sees. And this is very helpful to him because, you see, in this form of London, magic has been outlawed. And anyone who has any kind of magical abilities or psychic talents, like these are people that are like rounded up and taken away. So London kind of operates as this, I don't know, kind of like underworld where magic and clairvoyance are kind of ruling like beneath the surface. And Jackson is kind of a, like a crime lord in a way, but he has control over some very rare magical beings, Paige being one of them. But one night, Paige is rounded up by sort of the magic police and she is taken with a bunch of other people to the city of Oxford. And there she meets these creatures called like the Nephrites. And they are these very tall, elegant beings and they have very specific purposes for the magical people that they kind of round up from London. And apparently every, I want to say it's like every 47 years or 17, I don't know, every like huge amount of years, these people go into London and take away all the magical people that have been rounded up and they use them for these purposes that I will not tell you about. So Paige becomes the property of this man known only as Warden. And Warden is going to train her in this very specific purpose that he has for her. But things, of course, do not go as planned. And Paige and Warden kind of start this revolution to escape from Oxford and hopefully return home and make it so that magic is no longer sort of this like secret shameful thing. So this is a very, very long very complicated series with lots of different ideas about magic, about class, about race in some ways, also about female empowerment. And Paige just grows so much as a character, even in the very first book. But as the series goes on, like I've read all three that are out currently. And by the end of the third book, she's just such a huge force to be reckoned with in a way that you wouldn't necessarily expect her to be when you first meet her in the bone season. So this is a dark YA fantasy. Um, it's, I don't know, like I would say probably for the older like end of the YA spectrum, but I love it so incredibly much and I'm super excited for book four. Um, it takes her a while to write these, so they come out just like every few years, but um, she was like 22 or 23 when The Bone Season was published, and she's just a brilliant, brilliant writer. So this is The Bone Season, The Bone Season Book One by Samantha Shannon. That sounds really fascinating. It is.
super I fascinating. I love it. Well, ladies, from the future to the past, today, right now, I'm going to be talking about The Witcher. Um, so that is uh, the name of it on Netflix, but <laughs> specifically, I'm talking about the second in the la um, in the Sword of Destiny series, and this is The Last Wish, book two. But it is first in the chronology of the whole entire series. So we get a lot of backstory about the original kind um, characters, uh, specifically um, Geralt of Riviere, who is a, for lack of a better word, bounty hunter, specifically trained and in some extent bred to collect bounty and uh, hunt all things that go bump in the night um, on the mythical landscape. And the one thing I really like about this book, it is truly um, high fantasy and it is so uniquely told as it is originally written in, in Polish and translated into English. So it's just got so many different layers to it. Um, probably one of the most complicated magic systems I'm going to talk about tonight. So Geralt of Revere, like I said, he belongs to a class of misfit assassins, I guess you could call them, um, called witchers. Witchers are a dying breed because the change that they go through to become witchers um, and the code that they must follow are so restrictive that they're kind of a dying breed. And they have a bad reputation because they take all the work that most people don't want to put their hands on. They're basically the custodians of the mythical world. And this book is an anthology of some of, um, I guess, Geralt's greatest hits, if I, if I could put them that way. And um, specifically, I'll talk about the first, first chapter section in the anthology. So um, it is uh, Geralt having a dream about one of the few creatures that was more powerful enough to um, actually wound him and wound him very badly. He was sent to a town to help the governor with his daughter. His daughter was born of all sorts of nastiness and is cursed and she's a striga so it's kind of like a mythical creature part vampire but like vampire with a bad attitude and mindless and like a zombie kind of at the same time and so Geralt is tasked to kill the striga but the governor of this town does not want the Striga to be killed because that's his daughter, you know? And he wants there to be a cure. And Geralt at first is really kind of um, uneasy about this because he, he doesn't know if a Striga can be basically mended or healed and if the curse can be lifted. So... Um, there's kind of a conflict there. He, he doesn't want to kill the Striga because it is, it is a little, um, it is a young girl, but also, you know, it's a mindless killing machine at the same time. 
So um, Gerald does his best and promises the governor he will do what he can. Um, and he will not break his code. And the code of the Witcher is um, something that's touched upon throughout the story. It's a very complicated code, and Geralt reference, references it often. Um, so Geralt goes down into the depths of the castle to face the Striga, and they have a knockout, dragout uh, brawl, basically. A good old-fashioned brawl. <laughs> and the Striga is one of the few beings that is able to harm him as a witcher. And he has many different powers as a witcher, um, the, all of which that make him a deadly assassin and bounty hunter. He is able to subdue the Striga, and he is able to bring the Striga back to the governor and not kill it. So um, it kind of shows this, how Geralt, I wouldn't call him a moral character because he is kind of a sword for hire, if you will, but also he follows his strict code. And this code is, at least through most of the anthology, a more of a implicit code. It's not like kind of some commandments that, um, that are written out in the book. So you infer and, um, about what his code is, and he makes reference to it several times. Um, and uh, it is something that he basically lives and dies by. So um, it is kind of interesting to explore this character that is, you know, like I said, for all intents and purposes, um, a sword friar, but also having this sort of backstory and code and wisdom and the way he outwits his opponents isn't always through his sword. And I think that's a really interesting part of his character. Um, there are all sorts of magical creatures and the magical system in this book is rich and diverse and many of the creatures um, in the book are uh, from everything from elves and I don't think there are werewolves but <laughs> everything from well uh, elves and um, striga and witches and ancient um, civilizations and dynasties and magic and um, mages and all sorts of uh, different beings coexisting. It's very much um, uh, a rich story and it, it's not, it's not, it's not, um, it doesn't get old or boring because each short story is a different chapter in um, Geralt's life. So I found that really interesting. I enjoyed it because sometimes I get kind of like a short attention span and I want something like uh, to be, be resolved quickly. And I find that this collection of short stories is so very interesting and it's, it's great. This is the last wish. Uh, it is the second book in the sword of destiny series by Adrian, Adrian Spratowski. So, I would really like to dedicate my final creatures that I'm going to talk about to Shannon because oh I know how much she loves ghosts. <laughs> but I do like the series. You do like the series I'm going to I talk do. about. And I Kira, do. I think you would love them as well. Um, I actually, on one of my Everyone very first- Everyone should love these. Yes, everyone should. 
I think I actually talked about these books on one of my very first podcast um, episodes um, right when we came out and started yes. doing this podcast, but I'm going to cover it from a different angle. So I am going to talk about for my final pick and I can't wait to talk about it. So I saved it for last the downside ghost series by Stacia Kane. Yes. And it is just the most amazing series. Um, and I will explain the magic system in a minute, but we'll set up the story. So the, the books are about, a young woman named Chesaria, but she goes by Chess, sometimes Chessie. And she has had a very rough life. Um, she was in the foster care system and basically was moved around every couple months. And she was treated abominably by her foster um, parents. Um, and she was abused and just never belonged. And it was just a very sad um, childhood for her. And so the way Chess copes with her life and all of the things that happened to her is she is an addict. But here's where things get interesting. So she lives in a world that is kind of like ours in the sense that um, they talk about like singers and artists and um, other references to things that have happened in our world. Um, we don't know where she lives. Um, the part of the city that in she downside. lives in. Yes, but that's, <laughs> that's like downside is part of the city. It's not like the whole city where they live. No. It's like, like, uh, like the kind of the rough side of the city. And chess. So she's an addict, and then she also, um, because of some magical talents that she has, is was kind of recruited by um, the Church of Truth. <laughs> and so the Church of Truth started because in 1997, all of the dead walked again, and they were very angry dead, and they hurt many, many people. It was kind of like an apocalypse. And they um, basically eradicated a large part of the human population. And these people were able to stop them harnessing something from deep within the earth, like some energy of the earth. And they were able to um, kind of round up the spirits and move them underground to what they call the city, the underground city. And so in, in Chess's world, um, she, um, there is no, like the religion is the church of truth, but it's not like you don't have faith. You believe in the truth. Then the truth is that there's, I mean, according to the church of truth, there is no higher power. There is nothing um, but what the, what the church of truth did when they saved the people from the dead. So now chess works for the church of truth as what's called a debunker. So her job is to go into people's homes where they say they have hauntings and debunk them because the church of truth does not want it out there that there are actually ghosts. They want people to think that they have actually like harnessed all the ghosts and they're all like in their in their underground city 
where they don't bother people and and so it's a safe world but it's not a safe world friends it's not and there are lots of of, of ghosts that still roam and chess um in every book in the downside ghost series chess it works on um different cases for the church of truth but so chess like i said a couple of times is an addict and her dealer i just love all the names in this book so her dealer <laughs> is called bump like things that go bump in the night or a bump in the road or i don't know a bump in your nose i have no idea but he's called bump and his kind of insist, uh, assistant enforcer whatever you want to call him is a young man who's a couple years older than chess and his name is terrible that's what everybody calls him terrible can you imagine having that name and so people are like terrified of him, but really he does a lot of good for downside and he protects children. And um, he is just one of my most favorite heroes. And in the first book, Chess and Terrible have to work together to solve this case of these ghosts. So as the books go on, um, their story really grows and evolves. But the magic system in this book is that everything goes through the church of truth and they make it seem like there's no faith, there's no religion, there's just truth. But um, a lot of like their practices and their beliefs um, are, are not that great. And in the beginning, Chess is very, um, very devoted to the Church of Truth because they gave her a place to belong. They trained her. They gave her a job. But kind of as this series goes on, and Chess kind of gets more involved with Terrible and with Downside and some other aspects. She comes to the discovery that the Church of Truth really has some other kind of hidden agendas. And maybe they're not like the great place that she has thought they always were. So if you really want a, just a fantastic creative series with some really interesting and um, not really um, typical characters with a, just a fantastic storyline, um, you really need to give the Downside Ghost Books by Stacia Kane a chance. And please, if you're somebody who's a little more, I don't want to say judgy, but if you think, oh, I won't like a book where she's an addict, because I mean, her drug use is a big part of all the books. It's how she copes. Um, but I read a review and I loved what somebody wrote in their review, which is, you know, if they didn't have therapists, if they didn't have groups to help people who'd been through the kind of early life that Chess had, probably a lot more people would be using. And Chess is just a really complex character with um, a very um, kind heart and just a lot of baggage that she has to deal with. So um, really give it a chance. Stacia Kane is an amazing writer and I, Shannon sent me a newsletter and rumor has it there might be like another book coming out book five oh, does I hope end. so I know me too book five ends like you're satisfied but like I think they're really supposed to be six books and um Stacia Kane took a break and I can't even read the fifth one because then it will be all over and I won't have any oh, more and I can't I can't I know I know it's really one of the best series I've ever read and I'm just having so much fun reading it again I started rereading it for the podcast and um I'm so from like the first line, I was hooked. And if you guys like audio audiobooks, yes, Bonnie Turpin, who is one of the oh. narrators who reads The Help, reads these books. And I really would almost recommend if you can handle audio that you read it in audio because they yes. have, the way they speak in these books, it's called like patois. Like they speak very 
I don't even know, like this author is just so creative with the language of downside. And it's like, kind of like this, like gutter language. I don't know how else to describe it. And you really need to hear it from someone who knows how to just let the words flow. Cause if you're trying to read it on the page, it might be confusing. I would think so. I've only read it in audio and she's just so, so incredible. I love Bonnie Turpin so much. I think a lot of some of the people who reviewed it said they tried to read it in, in print and then they gave it a chance in audio and they were so glad they did because a lot of that yes. like street slang or patois or whatever you want to say, it, it was very difficult to read it with like visually, but a lot easier when you're listening to it. It, it just flowed off. Bonnie Turpin sounded like she talks like that all the time. I mean, she's just amazing, totally gifted. I'm sorry. I rhapsodized about this book for about a hundred years, but it's really a good series. It's worth it. It sounds so awesome. It. Oh, it's it. so good. Oh, you, you can't, you really, you, I, there's not one negative thing I can say about it. And I I'm should hate it, it because I hate ghosts and I hate like haunting and, oh, oh but, but I love but it. But you can't. No, I can't hate it. It's, it's not possible. I think this is one of the first <laughs> series you ever recommended to me. It might be. And it was, oh my God, so worth every minute. So that brings us to the end of a marvelous discussion of original and complex magical systems. Thank you to Sarah and Kira for joining me tonight and talking about so many fantastic books that hopefully will expand everybody's TBR pile, which is, of course, the goal of pretty much <laughs> any Book Bistro episode. As always, I thank Christine for her phenomenal editing of each and every Book Bistro episode you hear. Please know that what you hear is <laughs> very far removed from what we actually um, experience as we record this. Um, but more than any of that, I thank each and every one of you who have joined us for the past two years as we have talked about all the fantastic books that we love. If you would like to let us know your thoughts, you can do that by leaving us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts or any other platform you use to access the show. And not only does it allow us to see your feedback, but it also helps other book lovers to find us, which is a great thing. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with more bookish fabulousness. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more discussion of great books. Take care, everybody.